45 years of marital bliss. <laughs> well, that's totally untrue. <laughs> we have been married 45 years. I am the child of an alcoholic, and I married an alcoholic, and consequently, most of my life, I have been an enabler. After nine years of marriage, Jesus took his rightful place on the throne of my life. Just one week later, we went to a marriage encounter weekend, and Richard had already noticed a change in me. For the next six years, our world was in the downward spiral of alcoholism. When I thought it couldn't get worse, it did. We were spiritually, physically, emotionally, and financially bankrupt. I remember driving home from work, eyeing the trees, and not because they were pretty, but because they were deadly. Just a little swerve, and I would be free. My sons were 10 and 4 years old, and I really loved them. In February 1989, Richard entered a treatment program, and one month later, he came home, sober and saved. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Hallelujah, right? I was so jealous that he got to get his life together in a protected environment while I dealt with the difficult issues that bombarded me at home. The dynamics of our relationship changed because he was sober and saved. But who was I? I didn't know. But I was directed to Jesus at every turn. In 2001, a friend invited me to Bible study fellowship, an in-depth, comprehensive study. And as I grew in the Word, in my knowledge and understanding and application in a safe place, I began to heal. Through the study of His Word, God showed me I had a lot to offer through my story. And as I said, I am the child of an alcoholic. And my dad never got sober, although he didn't drink the last seven months of his life because he was in a nursing home. The Lord allowed me to forgive and minister to my dad during that time, and I saw my dad change. And I believe now he's spending eternity with God. And I've been transformed by God's mighty power, and I have hope instead of despair. My theme verse is Romans 15:13. May the God of hope fill me with all joy and peace as I trust in him so that I may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Hey guys, if you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of John, uh, chapter 1. Book of John, chapter 1. I want to thank uh, Beth for her faithful witness this morning. She's in a different... She was, she was back there earlier. She was in the early service as well. And uh, just uh, that's what a testimony is, right? That's what we're supposed to do is, is brag on what Jesus has done. And so just thankful for that. 
guys, we're going we're gonna to be all over the Bible this morning. I just want you to know. So we're going to be in John 1. We're going to read 36 verses, which they tell you not to do in seminary. Then we're going to read some more verses in John chapter 3. Then we're going to turn over to Matthew chapter 3 and read some verses. And then we're going to go to Matthew 11 and read 11 more verses. Just, just to kind of round out the story. And so um, what we're doing uh, this morning is, is this new series that we talked about. And the series is titled, This Is My Story. Um, and, and, and it's encounters with Jesus throughout the Gospel of John. And, and you may remember what we said last week is why John, uh, John who was the disciple, John we call the Apostle. And by the way, I'm talking about two Johns this morning. So I'm going to call one of them the Apostle John. That's the guy that wrote the book. And the other one is John the Baptizer, okay? And so I'll say John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. And now I'm talking about the Apostle. I'll do my best so you don't get confused. But we, we studied last week the reason why John the Apostle wrote this Gospel you don't find until chapter 20. And this is what it says in uh, John chapter 20. Uh, this is his reason for writing. He says, but these are written, these, these stories are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. So the best way to interpret the gospel of John is not as a history book, not as a biography. The best way to interpret the gospel of John is as a collection of testimonies that John gives so that people might believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that they might believe that he's the Christ, okay? So that's what we're doing. And, and this morning we get to exhibit A. Okay, John's first testimony, his, his first story he's going to tell is about a prophet, right? And that's kind of a big deal because Israel hasn't had a prophet for 400 years. And so now a prophet is going to show up on the scene, somebody that they, they haven't had as a nation for 400 years, and this man named John, boy, is he going to speak some truth. And so let's uh, go to the Word, uh, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer real quick, prepare our hearts to receive His Word. And so, uh, Father, we want to come before you this morning and just admit that we need you. God, that we need you. Um, that, that many of us walk through the doors and the truth is we kind of thought we were the, 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 the main character in our stories this morning, right? And we've been living for ourselves. We've been living for our own glory, for our own fame. And, and we walk through these doors kind of weighted down by all the pressures of life because we feel like it's all about us. We feel like we have to provide for everything. We feel like it's all on our shoulders. But the truth is that you reign over all things, including us. And so, God, we're going to ask that you would do something amazing here in our midst. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would come and dwell in us. Not just with us, but in us. That your word would richly dwell in us this morning. And that we would be transformed from the inside out. Holy Spirit, we recognize that you are the teacher of this church. And we just ask you to come and take your rightful place this morning. Teach us and guide us and lead us in the ways of Jesus. Lift him high. That we might see him and be drawn to him. That we might leave transformed into his likeness instead of our own. In Jesus' name we pray all of these things. God's people said, Amen. Alright guys, I'm in John chapter 1, again, uh, breaking all the seminary rules. We're going to read 36 verses together, and then we're going to keep going. And, and here's the reason that I do this. The reason that we're going to be in John I'm 1, and then in John 3, and then in Matthew 3, and then in Matthew 11, is because I want you to see this morning the whole story of this guy named John the Baptist, okay? And, and the only way we can get the complete picture is really to go to these places. And so this morning, I think it's important we see the whole picture so that we can learn from his life. So that's where we are. So John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, and the Word of God says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, 
and that life was the light of man. That word light is going to be a theme throughout John's gospel. Jesus is the light of the world. So I just want you to file that away. He says that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now he's talking about the baptizer. Okay, just helping you out here. So there was a man who was sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Then it says in verse 10, now talking about Jesus, not John. He was in the world and yet the world... uh, And and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, uh, and they did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. This will be another theme that we we find out in a couple chapters, this this birth, second birth that John um, the Apostle is writing about. He says, verse 14, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John, now back to the baptizer, testified concerning Him and explaining, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because He existed before me. Which is weird because John the Baptist is six months older than Jesus. He's got to be talking about something else. Verse 16. Indeed, we've all received grace upon grace from his fullness, talking about Jesus again. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, has revealed him. This was John the Baptist's testimony. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? He didn't deny it, but he confessed, I am not the Messiah. Well, what then, they asked him, are you Elijah? I am not, he replied. Well, are you the prophet? No, he answered. Well, who are you then, they asked. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What can you tell us about yourself? He said, I am but a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, just as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, so they asked him, Why then do you baptize if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? And John's reply is this, I baptize with water. Someone stands among you, but you don't know him. And he is the one coming after me to whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to untie. All of this happened in Bethany across from the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. After me comes one who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water so he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one you see the Spirit descending and resting on, he is the one that will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by, and he said, look, the Lamb of God. Now guys, I'm in John chapter 3, starting in verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside where he spent time uh, with them and baptized. Okay? So now Jesus is baptizing. Okay? John, the baptizer, also was baptizing in Ainon. Okay? Near a saline. 
Because there was plenty of water there. People were coming and they were being baptized since John had not yet been thrown into prison. That's, that's a key. Something's about to happen to John the Baptist. It says, then a dispute arose between John's disciples and a Jew about purification. So they came to John and they told him, Rabbi, the one you testified about and who was with you across the Jordan is now baptizing and everyone is going to him instead. Right? Everyone's headed over there. And John responded, no one can receive anything unless it's given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom. But the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Okay? Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Now I'm going to go back just a little bit in history, back to Jesus' baptism. But again, this gives us the full picture so that we can know John's life. So I'm in Matthew 3, starting in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, Wait, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. And Jesus answered him, Allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens uh, suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming down on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Shortly after that, uh, this happens. I've got a slide for uh, John chapter 4, verse 12. Uh, John is arrested and Jesus hears about it. It says, when he heard, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. Now the next time we hear about this John the Baptist is in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 1, last section I'll read to you, I promise. It says, when Jesus had finished giving his instructions to his 12 disciples, he moved on from there to teach and to preach in their towns. Now, when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent a message through his disciples and asked him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And this is the same John the Baptist that had just openly declared, Jesus is the Son of God, and now he's in prison, and he's going, Wait, are you, are you not the guy I thought you were? Right? Jesus replied to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor are told the good news, and blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. As these men were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. So John has been testifying about Jesus. Now Jesus is going to testify about John. Interesting. Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed in the wind? What, what, what then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? See those who wear soft clothes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. Yes, he says. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will, be prepare, uh, he will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared. It says, John the Baptist is the greatest among women. Then Jesus says, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So, let's talk about this John the Baptist. If you want to turn back to John 1, it's going to be helpful uh, we're going to walk through that text. 
John the Baptist's story is a great story, right? I mean, it, it is a great story. It begins with a miraculous birth. Uh, not quite as miraculous as Jesus' birth, okay? Uh, there was no virgin birth. But, but still, his, his mom was, was an older woman. She was well past her childbearing years. And, and, and she was barren. She couldn't have children. And his father was a priest and was there in, in the temple. He's inside the temple, what we call the holy place. Now, the holy of holies could only be entered one day a year on the Day of Atonement. That's where the Ark of the Covenant would be. But the holy place, priests would minister every every day. And so he was there in the holy place and there there's an altar called the altar of incense. And it was his job, Zachariah's job that day, to, to burn the incense. And so he's in there uh, burning the incense when suddenly an angel of the Lord appears. And not just any angel, it is the angel Gabriel. And, and the angel Gabriel shows up and says, uh, God has heard your prayers, John. He's heard you and Elizabeth's prayers and he's going he's to answer them. He's going to give you a son, the thing that you've always longed for. And so Elizabeth in her older years is going to give birth to a son. And get this, not just any son, he's going to be very special. He's going to go before the Lord and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And, and he's going to turn the hearts of the children of Israel back to their father. Right? This is the role he's going to play. Now listen, okay? Just be honest, right? If the angel Gabriel shows up in your life with this kind of news... You're a little shocked, right? A little like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm taken back. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're that faithful witness. Oh, yes, I'll do what you... Maybe you're like Mary, right? Uh, Zachariah's a little more like how I would respond. Like, what? Really? Really? It says, because of his lack of faith, the angel Gabriel says to him, that's it, you're not going to talk at all. You just won't be a witness till that dude's born. And so John is born, and he still can't talk. His son is born, he still can't whisper or utter a word, but on the eighth day, when he is to be named at his circumcision, now remember, his, his mother also got a visit. She was also told that his name would be John, that he would be great amongst men. And, and so, so she says, well, his name is to be John. And, and the elders said, well, wait a second, you don't have anybody in your family named John. You can't name him John. We're going to name him after. Can you imagine somebody stepping in and saying, no, 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 you can't name your child that. We're going to name him after his father, Zachariah. And Zachariah's like, mm, 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 They took that to mean, that's not in your text, by the way, but I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. And so they, they took that to mean, give me something to write with. And so he scribbles down, his name is John. And suddenly, his, his, his lips are loose and he begins praising God and telling them the whole story, which is just ridiculously cool, right? John is born and from birth he is set apart, right? He, he, he won't eat certain things, he won't drink certain things, he only wears like camel's hair and leather, which is just an odd combo for a baby. I don't know how the diaper changing went. He spends the majority of his life in isolation, away from people, kind of in the desert, until it is time for him to testify. And that's kind of where we pick up, right? That's kind of where we pick up. And so uh, the question I ask myself, if you guys turn back to John 1 and we kind of walk through it, the question I asked myself all week was, why did John the Apostle begin here with the story of John the Baptist? It's kind of interesting, right? You're going to tell a story. You begin with a certain character. Why on earth does he choose John the Baptist? Now, some would say he does it for chronology's sake, right? Because Jesus' public ministry pretty much begins with his baptism. That's how the other gospels show it. Jesus is baptized, then he goes into his public ministry. But the problem with that theory is John, uh, the apostle, doesn't include the baptism of Jesus in his gospel. So why? 
Why start with John the Baptist if you're not going to even include Jesus' baptism? I want to tell you my theory. Now, this isn't gospel truth. This is one man studying the text just telling you, hey, kind of this is what I got this week. I believe the reason that John the Apostle starts with John the Baptist, this is just swimming up here. I believe the reason John the Apostle starts with John the Baptist because of all the characters that we will meet in the Gospel of John. And we are going to meet some characters, by the way. Okay? But of all the characters we meet in the Gospel of John, there is no other character that shares the heart of John the Apostle, the heart and the mission of John the Apostle like John the Baptist. Okay? Maybe you caught this early on. Uh, here it is on the screen. This is, this is why John the Baptist came. This is his purpose. This is his mission. He came as a witness to what? To testify about the light so that all might believe through him. Like that is, that is John the Baptist's purpose and mission. He came to testify about the light so that all might believe in Jesus and be saved. Now, you may remember this. We went over it just a few minutes ago. Okay, And, and, and why does John the Apostle write his gospel? Here it is again. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in His name you might have life. You see? It's the same purpose. Now with that in mind, I want to talk to you about his life. Let's talk about what we can learn from this man named John. Um, Don't even look at the clock. We had baby dedication, okay? We're good. We're good. The cool thing, by the time we get out of church, those restaurants will have cleared out. I promise. You're like, oh gosh, it's not going to be that long. I'll never have children's church volunteers again, if that's the case. So, um, two things I think we can learn from, from the life of uh, John the Baptist. And in staff meeting, we kind of talked about, we, we had two or three. But these two main ones, I think, are just huge. And so, we're going to learn uh, a lesson from John's story. I think these are the two lessons we learned. Number one, um, that our stories are meant to bring God glory, Right? Our stories, our, our testimonies, our witness, are, are, they're all meant to, to bring uh, God glory, right? So last week I, I, I talked to you about the importance of, of your story, that nobody has a story just like yours, that people relate to stories more than they do sermons, that personal testimonies bypass intellectual defenses. And so this is what I love about John the Baptist, man. He just gets all that. He gets it. John knows exactly what his life is about, right? He knows that his, his, his life is not about his occupation, right? It's not about his vocation. John doesn't show up on the scene and be like, yeah, yeah, hey, my name is John, I'm a prophet. Like, that's, that's what I am. I am a prophet. No, he's like, no, 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 my name is John, but I am just a voice, right? I'm not, I'm not a prophet, I'm just a voice. I'm here to testify about Jesus Christ. That is, and, and listen, friends, I don't know if you caught it yet, but that is, that is what we are called to do as well, right? Like, your life is not about your vocation. I, I know they tell you that for, for those in high school. Like, like you're, you're kind of straight. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. I don't know. You know what you're going to be when you grow up? What you should be is a witness for Jesus Christ. And whether you're operating on somebody's heart or their head, or, or, or you're watching children, or, or, or you're helping um, uh, with sanitation, like, it, it does not matter occupation-wise what you do. I know your parents have big hopes and dreams, but no matter what you do, the call upon all of us is to go and be a witness for God, right? And this is what John gets so well. And so I, I just want to walk you through these. This is, this is great. Look at me. Uh, look, look at verse 7 with me. Let's just walk through this text. Ready? It says, he came as a witness to testify about the light. That's what he, he came as a witness to testify. Those words are basically the same word, just, just a little shift. He, he, he's a witness to witness. 
That's his purpose, right? Look at, look at verse 8. He was not the light, but he came to what? To testify about the light. Uh, look at verse 15. Uh, again, John testified concerning him. Okay, look at verse 19. This was John's testimony. Look at, at verse 32. Uh, and John testified, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove. Look at verse 34. Uh, see, I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. In verse 35, of course, he'll say, look, behold, the Lamb of God. It's the same thing, right? What did John testify to? Did he testify? Hey, and, and, and this is my testimony, that I am a prophet from God, that I have heard a message from God, that I have a word of knowledge for you, that I have something to say. Is that what he testified? No, listen to what he testified. This is, he testifies that Jesus is the light, right? And it says he testifies that, that Jesus, though six months younger, actually came before him. That's what John 1, 1 through 3 is all about, the fact that Jesus is eternal. And then he testifies the entire purpose of my life is to prepare people for Jesus. That's his testimony. Then he testifies again. Jesus is the Lamb of God. And, and, and he says, here's my testimony. I'm only baptizing to get Israel ready for Jesus. Not about me, about Jesus. And then he he testifies that Jesus would baptize with something greater, with the Holy Spirit, right? And finally, he proclaims plainly, verse 34, I see and I testify, this is the Son of God. See, it wasn't about his vocation. It wasn't about the fact that he was called to be a prophet. That is not the purpose of his message. The purpose of his life The purpose of his being was to point to Jesus Christ, to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And friends, what I'm here to tell you is is that God intends that same kind of thing for us. And this is what I love about John. I mean, he just gets it. He, He knows his purpose. He knew who he was. He is a witness, but he also knew who he wasn't, right? Did you catch that? He's like, I am not the Messiah. I am not Elijah. I am not the prophet. We could use a lot more of that in our world today. Right? Christians that know who Jesus is, they know who they are. I am a messenger. I am just a witness. I don't want any of the credit. I don't want you to run to me. I don't, I don't want to be the shoulder for you to cry on. I don't, I don't want to be your source of all Bible knowledge. Like, I want you to rest in Jesus. That's what you need. That's what you need, right? That is the call upon our life, is that Jesus would get the glory. Guess what? Jesus says this before he ascends into heaven. Speaking to us, because we're thinking about John. Now let's talk about us. Jesus says this in Acts 1.8. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Ready? And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're going to be my witness. And I talked about this with you guys last week, right? The, the call is to be a witness, not to, not to be a lawyer. Right? And so some of us ha- don't do this naturally. By the way, this is a commandment by God. It's like, like, here's your purpose in life, people. I'm just going to tell you right now, your life should be spent. John Piper would say wasted. Right? He, he's, he's like, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life on all this other stuff. Spend your whole life talking about Jesus. And so, so last week what I told you is like, we have messed this up in our heads. Because we think that, that our job is to be Jesus' lawyer. And so we think of evangelism when we hear Acts 1-8. We think, man, I gotta go out, that all of us have to go out, we gotta memorize our Bible, and I gotta know Romans 3-23, and that leads to 6-23, and then 5-8, and then I'm going 10-9 and 10, and I'm gonna go through this road, like we kinda have all this in our head, like we have to do that. And, and that's overwhelming, right? Anybody really want to go out and preach a sermon? Because come on up. I'm, 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 I'll tag out for a second. I can use a break. I need some water. Okay? No, right? 
But we have believed that that's what Acts 1 is. That's, that's not what it's about. What a witness does in court is they come up and they're like, hey, like this is what I saw. And what the world needs, the commandment of God, is that you, no matter who you are, no matter what you do for a living, that you are all called into the courtroom of the world. And, and, and listen, some of you are like, I, I, I haven't received my subpoena. What's because you haven't opened it? Right? It's right here. You've been subpoenaed, baby. Right? It's Acts 1-8. That is your subpoena. And whether, whether you're in your home, whether you're right outside your home and you're in Maynard, whether you're a little further off in Austin, no matter where you go, you are to be a witness to Jesus Christ. Your purpose is to bring Him glory. That's your purpose. You say, hey, hey listen, I- I'm a doctor. Great. Talk about Jesus. And I'm a lawyer. Awesome. Tell people that one day... Jesus will, will stand in their defense. Right? Okay? Say, man, but I, I'm, I'm just a mom. Hello? There's no such thing as just a mom. Right? Tell your children about what God has done for you. Tell your neighbor. Tell the girls you hang out with. Like, tell everybody. Just be a witness. You've been subpoenaed. Go show up in court and just tell people what you know. Right? So we start there. We start there, right? Our stories are meant to bring God glory. The second lesson I think we learn is this, friends, is that when times are tough, it's easy to misunderstand and even doubt God. Man, when times are tough, it is easy to misunderstand and even um, doubt God. And I kind of I went back and forth. Should I include this? Should this be a one-point sermon? I really think this is important because we, we face the same kind of thing. Not that we're locked in jail by a dude named Herod that's claiming to be our king who's about to behead us. Not that. But that we face difficulty in life. And a lot of times that difficulty is made worse because we've misunderstood um, who God is, right? So for me, John the Baptist is a bit of a paradox, right? And, and, and so, so he's the greatest amongst men, but he's not worthy um, to untie the sandal of Jesus, but then he's supposed to baptize Jesus, right? So it's just like, I'm like, that's, I'm, I'm trying to track there, right? He, he is the first person to openly declare, this Jesus is the Son of God. He's the first one to see it. Jesus hadn't even started public ministry. He's like, behold the Lamb of God. Like, this is the Son of God. And then he's in prison, and he's suddenly like, are you really who you say? Like, it's hard to and so I, I kind of, this week, why, why did John the Baptist doubt who Jesus was? Like, wh- what caused that? And I, I'll tell you a couple of things. One, I believe um, he, he was filled with doubt, um, first and foremost, because he didn't have the benefit of the cross and the empty tomb. Amen? So God revealed to John that Jesus indeed was the Lamb of God. That was a revelation where like, hey, here's my son, he's the Lamb of God. But, but without the cross, how could John the Baptist know that Jesus was actually the sacrificial Passover Lamb of God? Until he saw the Lamb nailed to the cross, until he saw the blood here and here and here, how was he supposed to put that puzzle together? Right? So he didn't have that. He didn't have that information. He didn't have the empty tomb. We do. We have that information, okay? But the second reason is, is, is because he had to misunderstand it. So John openly proclaims, I am not the Messiah, I am not Elijah, I am not the prophet. Now he believed that Jesus was indeed the prophet spoken of in Deuteronomy 18 when, when it says that, that I'm going to raise up a prophet like Moses. He believed like Jesus is that guy. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He, he says, this is the Son of God. Here's the problem, he's Jewish, and Jewish custom, what, what he, had, he was taught, which is wrong, he was taught was that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to be a political reigning king. So think through this with me. John is in prison and he's been imprisoned by a guy named Herod. 
And Herod's title, right, is, is ruler over Jerusalem, specifically king of the Jews. And so now Herod is in prison, about to have his head cut off, and he's got to be going, like, like, wait a second, did I waste my life? Right? Because I, I, I proclaim that this is who you were, and yet, and here's the deal, my understanding of you being king of the Jews means that you're going to reign over Israel, that you're going to reign over Jerusalem, and yet here I am, and this other guy is claiming to be the king of the Jews, and he's about to put me to death. Did I get something wrong? To which lovingly Jesus responds, here's the text, ready? Um, go back and tell John, Tells his disciples of John. Go back and tell John, ready? The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those with leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor are told the good news. Now, do you remember um, when John was declaring? He's like, I'm not the Messiah. I'm a voice. And I'm called to prepare the way for the Lord. Do you remember what book he said that was from? He said that's what the prophet who? Isaiah. From, from the book of Isaiah, right? I, I'm, I'm the voice from Isaiah. Now, now check this out. So Jesus responds. John has doubt. And, 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 and so the disciples come. And guess how uh, Jesus responds. He's like, this is what you do. And guess what that reference is. This is cool. Uh, check out this. Isaiah 35, 4 through 6. It says, say to the cowardly, be strong. Do not fear. Here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. Ready? Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer. The tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Uh, for water will gush in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And Jesus is just going, go back and just tell John that God is here. And I will save. Right? That won't be the salvation that you're thinking. Okay? But I will save. What do we do with that? When we come to grips with John and we, we look at his story and we understand that, that our stories are meant to bring God glory, that, 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 that doubt and misunderstanding happen sometimes when we're in tough times, what do we do with all two things? Okay, number one is uh, we, we, we have to start going and being a witness. So I told you guys we've got 15 uh, Sundays now. We have 14 Sundays after this Sunday uh, for you to testify. But guys, we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got a million ways that you can go out and tell people about what God has done in your life. And, and my, what I'm telling you is like, don't be afraid of that. Like, don't be afraid of that. I'm not telling that you have to go and be Jesus' attorney, okay? Jesus doesn't need defending. He's good. I mean, there are certain times that Paul would argue with people, and that's cool. If God's called you to be Paul, amen, go be Paul, Right? But God has called every single one of us. We've all gotten the subpoena to go and be a witness. This is what God's done in my life. This is what God's done in my life. Is it great to memorize scripture and be able to try to evangelize people? Absolutely, right? But, but we are all called as we go about life to always give a testimony about God, right? And so we've got to start doing that. We've got to stop convincing ourselves that this is for the religious elite. Jesus actually didn't... Um, uh, the religious elite weren't very, very palatable to Jesus, Okay? He wanted to use untrained, ordinary people like you and me. That's who Jesus uses. And he's like, just go and tell your story. Go tell them what you've seen. Here's what I saw. This is my life, okay? So that's the first thing. We've got to be better at this. So I just want you, I want to challenge you there. The second thing I would challenge you with is this, is I really want to challenge you to come to Jesus with your doubts, right? So we live in a world with lots of voices, and, and so John uh, the Baptist, he had lots of voices in his day too. And so like the voices in his day said, hey, the Messiah is going to be this political king that's going to reign on high. Some of the voices in our day say things like, if you follow Jesus and you have the right amount of faith and you give the right amount of money, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? I mean, they, the, the prosperity, like, like God wants you to prosper, right? It's more like, God wants you to prosper. 
Uh, it's kind of like that with that kind of southern charmy thing. He's got a plan for your life. It's great and grand and glorious. He wants us all to smile all the time. So we walk through the darkness. We know that His light is always shining. Okay, I've, I've worked on that a little too much. Uh, <laughs> good. Yeah, and, and we hear that stuff. And it sounds so good. Right? You're like, yes, I, I'm suffering. Man, my finances are terrible. My marriage is a wreck. Yes, I want to believe that. I want to believe that God wants to free me from all of that. And you know what? Half of that is true. God wants to free you from the burden. Not necessarily the circumstance. Can I say that again? God says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest. He doesn't say, and your circumstances will change. You ever, you ever study that verse, that, that little passage? It doesn't say, come to me, and I'm going to undo the death of your loved one. Come to me, and I'm miraculously going to save your spouse. The promise of God is, come to me, and I will take the burden so that you can get through it. The promise of God is not that we will never face pain or suffering. The promise of God is that He will never leave us as we do. That's the promise of God. And if you're here today and you have ever misunderstood that, it has probably caused you to doubt God. When difficult times have come, you thought, well, maybe God doesn't really love me. Maybe, maybe I'm not really saved. Ever been there? Right? Tough stuff come, you pray to God, you think that God is supposed to magically work it all out. Like, that's the promise. You work it all out. I, like, you start thinking, maybe I didn't give enough. Maybe I don't have enough faith. And, and God's going away. Like, that wasn't the promise. And so we doubt God. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If that's you this morning, you walked in with doubt. Now, by the one, first of all, let me say, I am sorry that for, for the church as a whole that we have over-spiritualized things like that. Right? That, that as a church of a whole, we, we, we say like, it, you, you can never be depressed. Right? No, I mean, if you got Jesus, you're just never supposed to struggle with depression. That's ridiculous. Right? I mean, uh, mind, body, and spirit. That's who we are. Right? Mind, body, and spirit. My spirit can be right and my mind can be jacked. I've been there. Right? And so as, as a church, we have to say to people like, you may have misunderstood. And it's okay. Ready? Jesus is big enough for your doubt. I just want to invite you to come to him. And you know what he does? This is how good God is. He lovingly takes us along by the hand and says, I think you just misunderstood the passage, John. I think you misunderstood the passage. Here's what my kingdom is really about. He says, go back and tell him that the blind can see, the lame can walk, the dead are being raised. You follow me? Some of you this morning need to be reminded of that, that Jesus says there is a kingdom so much bigger than what you can see, and that is what we're called to live for. So let's do it. Pray with me. Father, thanks for loving us. Thank you for your word. I pray that John's life, John the Baptist's life, that his story impacts us. I pray that each of us this morning would realize that we too have a story to tell. Father, I pray that those of us that are here that have struggled with doubt or disbelief, I pray that lovingly um, you would remind us that you call us to come to you. And that your promise is not that every circumstance will change, but that the burden will be lifted. God, for those here that need it this morning, would you please lift that burden? Just lift that burden of hurt, lift that burden of guilt, lift that burden of shame. Father, teach them your ways, O Lord. Ask this in Jesus Christ's holy and precious name. Amen.
Amen, amen.